This episode is a special one because I'm interviewing my mother, Linda Yepes. My mom is one of the most beautiful Latinas I know. She's kind, she's funny, and so open-minded. Of course, we've had our ups and downs over the years. I mean, which mom-daughter relationship hasn't? But as I age, and now as a parent myself, I am in such awe of her. She didn't have an easy life, nor did she have the best parenting role models, yet she was determined to break the cycle. Her resilience is inspiring, and through her wisdom, I'm learning that with age comes bravery. Hi, my name is Linda Yepes. I'm a Latina. I'm an older Latina. <laughs> I have two daughters, four grandchildren, and I'm a wife. Mom, are you nervous? Yes. <laughs> Why are you nervous? I, I don't know. I just am. Oh, okay. Well, it's just a conversation. Okay. I love you. Thank you for doing this. You're welcome. And I wanted to talk to you in particularly. I mean, I feel like we have a pretty close relationship and we talk a lot, but there's some questions and, and some gray areas that I don't know. So I feel like even though obviously you're my mom, I'm probably going to be learning a lot about you tonight. Um, but I wanted to talk about, you know, you grew up in Lubbock, obviously, and grandpa worked at the cotton gin. So you kind of grew up in the country, right? The lighter side of town. Yes. <laughs> the lighter side of town. Tell me a little bit about like, what was that like? Were you guys the only Hispanic family on, in the country at that time? Um, yes, um, there was a lot of migrant workers, but there were the men by themselves. They didn't bring their families. And at school, there was only me and my brother, my brother and I that were Hispanics and maybe another two families that, you know, there was like three or four of them and then everybody else. So, yes, we were among the very few. What was that like? What do you remember most about growing up? It was tough because we were really just very few of us. And then I, I guess a lot of people in Lubbock back then didn't really know a lot about Hispanics. And so it was kind of tough because in the lighter shade of brown, but I was still brown compared to them. And it was kind of hard until I guess I got to middle school. And then it was a little bit easier because we had two African-American families that were in junior high. There was like a little bit more of a blend. It got a little bit easier. Did you have any like close friends back then or was it just you and, and Uncle Danny? Even in elementary, I had a lot of really close girlfriends. And a couple of boyfriends. <laughs> no, I always had friends. You know, they were a little bit more lenient with their kids. So, you know, they had cars and they could, you know, do whatever they wanted to and stuff like that compared to me, you know, because of the way my mom is, you know, she's very strict. And so um, they would drive me around, um, you know, like, when we I was in high school, my mom would drive around because she would know the schedule. And back then, the purple rallies were in the mornings. And so she would drive around the school to make sure I didn't 
exit the school after she dropped me off. So we would have a horn system. So if my mom was like in the front of the school, then somebody was parked in the back and I would duck on the floorboard. We, we would go out to have, you know, just donuts and a Coke. And the pepperoni was, you know, like first period, right? I mean, it wasn't like we were going to do anything bad or anything, but my mom wanted to make sure that I stayed in school. So I, I had a lot of really close friends all my life. You know, none that I really kept up with, but, you know, it, it, it wasn't really a lot of the kids, like they didn't really know the difference, but a lot of the parents did. Yeah. And I want to talk a little bit about, grandma, right? Because I think, you know, I've been talking to a lot of Latinas and there's this underlining sameness of like having a strict parent and where like our white friends could like go to the mall with their friends, but Latinas, like even you, you're like, you're not going anywhere. Like your friend can come to our house, but you are not going to like spend the night at somebody's house. But like grandma took that to like the umpteenth degree. Like she a bit cray cray. Yeah. A little cray cray. Yes. And, um, you know, assuming she just wanted the very best for us. And that's why we always, she wouldn't let us go to like a country school. So we always went to school in, in, in town and she would drive each one of us to different schools and stuff. Um, and, you know, I'm assuming she just didn't know any better, you know, that, you know, we were still doing it. <laughs> And you have to think, especially now, I feel like obviously as a mom myself and, and looking at you, I have so much more empathy and grace for you versus when before I was a mom. Do you catch yourself thinking about that too, about your own mom, right? Because grandma is from a completely different generation. She's, you know, grandma's yeah. grandma. And I don't even know if there's like words to properly describe her. I'm not trying to like talk shit, but she's a little bit out there. And you just have to think, like, what was her upbringing like? What was her mom like? What was her parents like? You know, do you ever sit and think about that? Yeah, her parents were really, really strict because she had three brothers and she was the only female. And her parents were really, really strict. But then she married dad when she was like 17, 18 years old. Oh, I didn't know so, that. So, you know, I, I get and he was 21. So I guess that was her exit, I guess. She really is a different kind of breed with us. And um, very one-sided. The boys did everything they wanted to do. And the us, my sister and I, well, my sister had more guts than I did. So she did a lot of stuff. But, you know, the boys had cars when they were 14 years old and they would drive, you know, and they'd go out and. You know, it was very, very one-sided. Yeah, and even thinking about that, you know, if she got married at 17 and started having kids right away, she was a kid herself trying to be a mom. Like, what does she know? Yeah, when I don't care how old you are, being a mom is tough because, you know, they don't come with a book and you just do it by the seat of your pants and, you know, you hope that, you know, you're doing it right and, I don't think there's a single person in this earth that says, oh, my parents were just because, you know, you do it by the seat of your pants. And that's the only thing you have to go by, you know. 
I grew up hearing you say on repeat, like, you didn't come with the book. You didn't come with the book. And now that I'm a mom of two, I'm like, oh, shit. Like, these kids did not come with the book. And I just, I'm sorry. I feel like I should be on an apology tour. <laughs> sorry, mom. Um, and, I mean, it's tough. It, it really is because you don't know what you're doing and if you're doing it right or you're messing them up or, you know, so it's tough. And I think we have it like extra hard because, you know, you, you have the mother factor, but then we also have the added, you know, Latino factor and the way you grew up and the way I grew up in predominantly white spaces in a smaller Texas town. I mean, what were those messages from even your own parents about? being a Latina. You know, I remember you saying sometimes like grandma was always like, oh, don't marry a Mexican, you know, and you went off and you married a first generation Mexican immigrant worker, like puro azteco. You know, what were those messages? What were you hearing from grandma and grandpa? For one thing that we weren't really allowed to blend in with anyone. Um, and that's why she always brought us into town because most of the students were white. And, um, you know, she always, always wanted us to marry white because there were going to be somebody and there were going to go somewhere. And she always thought that the Latinos were, from, you know, from the other side of town, from the ghetto, and they weren't going to amount to anything, you know. And so it was known since we were little you know, that our last name was going to be Smith or Jones or something like that. And from Gonzalez, from Gonzalez. Yeah. And so she just, and she was really, really, uh, well, my dad wasn't, you know, he worked a lot, so he wasn't around very much, but my mom was real bad about that. You know, that she wanted us not to marry somebody from the other side of town and not amount to anything. And, and, and that's a serious problem with even our own culture, right, of just blatant racism, anti-indigenousness, colorism. I mean, I remember, you know, your other daughter, my sister, takes after your dad, so she has a darker complexion. And grandma used to call, you know, me Warita, her pretita, you know, light one, dark one. And it's not until I'm having, like, my old kids and I'm older, I'm like, oh, shit, that's really effed up. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um, I'm assuming if there were lighter complected Hispanics, she would have been okay with it. But, um, you know, we were lighter and prettier. <laughs> so she didn't want us to mix with someone that wasn't light complected. And, you know, and that was her whole thing, you know, with my ex-sister-in-law, my ex-brother-in-law with my husband. And so that was her thing that she didn't, I don't know if she, it was bad that they were Hispanic or they were dark Hispanics. I think that was a lot of her problem. And you went, <laughs> you went the complete opposite with dad <laughs> and all hell broke loose. And then, you know, my ex-sister-in-law is darker than your father. And my ex-brother is darker than your father. So mm. we all kind of went that way anyway. So <laughs> it just goes to show parents, like, don't, don't try to hold us back. You're going to do whatever. That's 
That's right. That's why when y'all, whoever y'all dated, I liked him until he proved me otherwise because I thought, oh no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and you bring up a great point because, you know, one of the things that I wanted to kind of get into with you and ask is, you know, growing up with grandma, hearing these messages about, you know, not marrying a Latino or not marrying a dark skinned Latino to how you raised us. I mean, I never once heard you say, don't marry Latino, don't marry dark. You can't date that person because they're black. You were just very open with us. And to this, I'm already going to cry. You know, I think about how, the type of mom that you were to us when you didn't have a role model to model those behaviors of what an open, honest mom could be like. How, how did you do that? By the seat of my pants. But I just wanted, I just wanted y'all to be well-rounded. Um, that's why we went to Jewish temple and we went to the Baptist church and we went to the non I mean, anything and everything that I could expose y'all to so y'all would see the difference. That's exactly what I wanted because... I've always been very timid, not very much self-confidence because of the way my mom would run my life and tell me how I'm supposed to do it and not do it. And I wanted y'all to be strong women. And I didn't want y'all to be like me. And so that's why I exposed y'all to as much as I could in my own little world that, you know, Lubbock is tiny. But, you know, I try to show y'all that, you know, that's why I wanted to send y'all to Junior Cotillion. And that's why we did cheerleading. And, you know, it's because I wanted y'all to know a little bit of everything, you know. And for the record, I never went to Junior Cotillion. And you still throw that in my face every day. <laughs> every time you don't act ladylike, I go, oh, should have sent her to Junior Cotillion. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, you know, I... It, it almost like pains me to hear you say sometimes because you do say it often, mom, like I didn't want you girls to not be like me, you know, but I think you're the most strongest, bravest woman I know because you were able, you were able to raise us not knowing how basically, you know, and that takes guts. And I look at you now you know, I want to get into a little bit personally, like I've seen you grown and I've seen you grow so much over the last couple of years. Like you've really just taken upon yourself to, to heal, you know, trying out therapy, focusing on like what you're putting in your body in terms of food and, and exercising and meditation and yoga, you know, you're not a spring chicken mom. <laughs> What sparked this for you, this new chapter in your life? Well, you know how they say that you get to a certain age and then you don't really care what people say. <laughs> and I, I think I got to that age where I'm thinking, you know what? I really don't care, you know, what people say, <laughs> you know, so I think that helped me a lot. And I was through raising you and your sister and I wanted something for me. 
And so I started seeing what I could do, you know, what I could become. And that really helped me a lot to where I was going, well, you know, I don't care if I, my shorts are too short, you know, at this age, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna let it all hang out, mom. <laughs> so that that was a lot of it, you know. I I just wanted something for me, and I quit caring what other people would think or say. Yeah, and I think you you probably heard a lot of that growing up, but even as being like you know a young parent, you know, I think about how for me growing up in a predominantly white space, white neighborhood, being the only Latina in a school, what was that like for you being the only Latina parent and having to show up to these PTA meetings, right? Because you you were our primary caregiver. You know, you I don't want to say stay at home mom because I feel like that term is so outdated and you did a lot for us. Like you had a full-time job and then some with me and Jessica. But what was that like being in those other parenting spaces being the only one. Well, and that's why, you know, I, I was always in the PTA and I sat the rooms when the teachers were, did all the field trips, everything that I could involve myself in with y'all, I did. You know, I picked up, you know, four or five girls every afternoon from school because their parents worked. I took, you know, seven or eight lunches almost every day. <laughs> Um, you know, and, and I just wanted to sh show y'all that it doesn't matter where you live, where you come from, you can still, it, I think it's a lot of mentally that you go, oh, I can't do that because they're going to look down at me or, you know, like if we're in the Hispanic side of town, oh, they're going to think I'm snooty because I don't live on this side you know, and stuff like that. You just have to be the best person that you can be. And just that's the only thing that you can do because you're not going to please everybody. And I feel like if we would have had this conversation, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago, I don't know if I would have heard that and like received it. Like you can't please everybody because I'm still very much trying to out learn that and not being a people pleaser. Did you see that in me growing up? Yes. Yes. Um, I think because you like everything a certain way, that that's why you were like that, because you wanted to please everybody, because you wanted a certain thing. You had a certain path. And I think that was the thing. And, you know, now that I'm older and starting to, like, actually unpack all this shit, you know, a lot of it I relate back to, you know, trying to assimilate and trying to be like all the white girls around me. Right. So when I hear you say like, I like things a certain way for me, looking back at that eight-year-old Jen, I just thought I had to be that way. So then, you know, I could have friends or I could fit in and I didn't want to feel like left out. And so maybe that's where some of that perfectionism comes into play, trying to fit in those boxes. And I really thought that I was doing something the best that we could do is to live on this side of town instead of living on the other side of town because I wanted y'all to see how you can still be part of something and not, you know, and when you decided to go to Cavazos, 
all the mothers were going, are you serious? You're going to take her to that school? And, you know, the white moms. And I was going, yeah, you know, she's going to take piano and that's why she's going to go over there. Oh, we pay for whatever her name is to take piano lessons. <laughs> I'm going, oh, okay. Yeah, so to to unpack that for people who are not familiar, so, you know, we obviously lived on the white side of town. Lubbock is still very much segregated, even even yes. today, yes. right? There's, you know, white people one side, Latinos on the other, black people are on the east side. It is very much divided. Grew up on the white side of town. One day, like three days before, what was it, like eighth grade, seventh grade? Oh. I remember seventh grade. Yeah. I don't even know what I was thinking. It's one of those life-changing moments where I remember getting in the car after volleyball practice before school started. And I said, I do not want to go to this school anymore. Like take me somewhere else. Like I do not want to be on this side of town anymore. What did you think when I said that to you? And you were on the A team for volleyball. And I was going, are you, you just said, you know what, I'm just tired of this. I don't want to do it anymore. And I said, okay. And of course I wanted you to go to a magnet school and there was only two. One was pretty bad and the one you went to was better, but that was like really in the brown side of town. And, um, you know, I took you to both and I said, you know, what do you think? What do you, which one do you want to go to? And I took you every morning, picked you up every afternoon and it was not far for Lubbock, but it, I mean, it was farther than the school you were just around the corner from. And, you know, and you did so well at that school. And, you know, people accepted you since you weren't from that side of town anyway. And there was a lot of different people because it was a magnet school. And so uh, I was going, well, okay, if she, you know, as long as she does well and, you know, when she's, you know, involved in different things and everything, then, you know, I was okay with that. So. Yeah, I, I thank you. Thank you for, first of all, listening to me. What I, what was I maybe 14 and telling you, Hey, I'm going to switch schools three days before. Yeah. But yeah, yeah I, I thank you for taking me every day to Cavazos because that was the first place where I, I felt like, Oh, this is my people. Yeah. This is where I belong. Yeah. Like your sister, when she went to Lubbock High, she calls me and says, Mom, guess what? And I said, what? And she goes, there's a bunch of Latinos here. <laughs> we didn't know. <laughs> and she was so excited, you know, and that's kind of like, for you, it was a little bit easier from Cavazos to go to Lubbock High because you were used to being around a lot of Latinos and stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, you were in elementary and they were going to start busing some kids from the elementary to the barrio um, to go to school to kind of blend people in. I don't know if you remember that or not. Mm -mm, no. And uh, some of the moms, I guess they kind of forget that you're Hispanic or I, or they just say, I don't know. But um, some of the moms were going, oh, my God we don't want our kids to go all the way over there for school. And, you know, there's a lot of drugs and gangs. And I was going, okay, they're in elementary. But anyway, and, uh, <laughs> and I, well, I don't see anything wrong with that because, you know, you have to learn to be around other kind of people and, you know, find yourself and stuff. And they're going, yeah, but your girls can go visit their cousins if they want to do that. And I'm going, 
Wait, wait. Wow. <laughs> Just blatant racism. I yeah. mean, like I said, I don't know if they forgive forgot that you were that you know we were hispanic or i don't know no no they just don't give a f mom they don't they're mean people <laughs> probably true and they go oh they can go visit their cousins if you know you want them to be well rounded and stuff i was going okay whatever and obviously it didn't happen yeah from preston oh i'm sure they made sure of that yeah, yeah. from preston smith they never did that so and so what what do you think now that, first of all, both of your daughters married white men. <laughs> so all your grandkids are half. You're welcome. My grandma's happy. Um, but, you know, all of our kids are in dual language programs, right? Like, do you just sit back? Because you guys didn't teach us Spanish, which let me back up there. Why the hell did you not teach us Spanish growing up? I wanted to. But your father said that that was going to be his job because my Spanish was so bad that he didn't want to either learn Tex-Mex or, you know, slang. Yeah. Or, and um, that's all I knew because that's all I grew up with. You know, my dad's in his 90s and he still has that draw real bad. And, you know, so he learned English from, you know, working with the farmers. Cowboys. Yeah. <laughs> so, um so I didn't, we really never spoke Spanish and my grandmother died at 90 something and she spoke English to us all the time. And so, um, it was, I wanted, that was something that I wanted y'all to learn. And, um, it was always my thing that I wanted y'all to learn. That's why y'all took it at school. And, mm -hmm. uh, but I, your father's going, no, you know, they're not going to speak it correct and they're not going to know the meaning and don't, you know, so I only spoke to y'all in English unless I was cussing and then it was in Spanish. And I know all the curse words. Thanks, mom. <laughs> those, everybody knows those words. <laughs> everybody knows those words. Yeah. Well, and it's a shame too, right? Because then, you know, dad never taught us. And maybe his was a little bit too, one, he worked all the time. So he wasn't mm -hmm. like a primary parent to teach us. And two, I mean, he grew up with such prejudiceness in, in Lubbock and as, you know, a migrant worker, you know, I, I would love to have that conversation, a real conversation with dad too, about, you know, what was he holding some of that back just so we could blend in? No, oh, that's a. That's a good point. It could be because, you know, he went to all Hispanic schools, you know, like the, I don't want to say lower income, but lower income. And so he was used to being looked down at because they, they were, you know, in that side of town and, you know, not considered to be well off or kind of well off or whatever. And so I'm sure, I don't know if that had, I've never asked him that. I never even thought of that. Yeah. You know, and so what do you think now that all your grandkids are in these dual language programs and we're so adamant about them being bilingual? That it to me, and I don't care what shade you are, knowing two languages or more, that's a benefit to you. I don't care if it's halfway or just enough for you to say, you know, where's the restroom? Just something. It, I mean, that is such a plus. 
because the way the world is now, everybody's mixed with everything. Mm-hmm. And that's just a, a benefit, you know, to, to know two languages. It really, I, I mean, I am really proud of the four of y'all that the, the grandkids are all going to learn Spanish. And I would love for them to learn, you know, French or, you know, so just they, they have to see that there's something different than out there than just, you know, English. And I really, you know, I hope all four of the grandkids will be bilingual, even if they correct me, I don't care. But I just want them to be, to be able to, uh, you know, because that, that is such a beautiful thing that you can communicate with anything and anybody that comes by you, you know. And you can see that the world is full of different colors, you know, and like I always told y'all, trash comes in every color and, you know, you can pay, you know, four or $500 for a bottle of wine, but when it's empty, it's still trash. And so trash just comes in every color and every class and you just have to do better. You know, you have, you have to, you have to show yourself to be better than, than that. And so I love it. And do you, like, what do you see, you know, being a Latina in this world? You've seen so many decades, again, not to call you a viejita, pero let's call a spade a spade. (laughs) You've seen this progression, you know, what do you think? Are you, what do you think about the progression of where we are today as Latinas in the U.S.? You know, there's a, a lot of different kinds of people that are very educated, which you didn't see back then. Um, and it, I, I'm really, really excited that you and your sister on that generation where you can do, you can be whatever you wanted to. Um, you can go as far as you want to. And that makes such a big difference. Um, because, you know, when I was, you know, 16, 17 years old, the only thing that I ever thought I was going to be is a wife and a mother. And there was no, you know, I, I, I know I've told you the story that they wouldn't let me play tennis because my mom didn't want me half naked out there for everybody to see me. Cause back then you had to wear those little skirts. And, you know, I, I never did any sports. I never got to, you know, do anything because that wasn't, for lack of a better term, ladylike. You know, you were just groomed to be a wife and a mother. And, you know, and now, you know, there's people everywhere that, you know, are in sports and, you know, they're educated and have their own companies and that is just something really that I never thought it was going to happen until I got older and it's really you know like my mom went to the seventh grade and she wanted to be a nurse and her dad said oh that's just not a profession for women you know and stuff stuff like that and then you know she passed it on to me and then I try not to pass it on to y'all because I wanted y'all to be 
you know, everything that you wanted to be, a nurse or whatever, you know. So that's why I always tried really hard because it's it's very tough once you like inheritance you inherit something something and then trying to outgrow it or to change it. It's very, very tough. You're just amazing, Mom. You really are. Thank you. Because you're right, you know, that that's generational trauma, generational baggage that it stopped with you. I mean, look, I played I played sports. I played volleyball. I played softball. I played in college. You know, I did the corporate thing. Now I have my own businesses. Hell, I started a sports company. <laughs> my daughter's playing tennis like you. You did that. Like I said, I just wanted y'all to be different. I I wanted y'all to be your own person. You know, I mean, the son-in-laws are great. Don't take me wrong. But you need to learn to be your own person, to depend on yourself, to like yourself, to be satisfied with yourself. And, you know, at my age, I'm just barely... (laughs) I'm barely learning that, you know, and it's it's really tough to outgrow the only thing that you knew. So, yeah. If you could go back and talk to little Linda, little girl, preteen, teenage, what would you say to her? I would probably try to be more confident in myself. And not compare myself to mainly my sister because my sister was always like a princess and real feminine. And then there was me, you know, and I think that um, I think I would try to have more confidence and just try to work on myself to be able to say, hey, you know, I could have been a tennis star. I mean, you never know, right? And um, I I just would like, you know, put my foot down on a lot of stuff that I thought that I should be able to do that I didn't get a chance to do. So that's, I think that's a lot. And, you know, your work, you yourself are your worst enemy. And that has always been my problem right there. You know, I was never yeah. pretty enough. I wasn't yeah. skinny enough. You know, I wasn't smart enough. I, You know, and so I was my worst enemy. And I, I really, and sometimes I, I still am, but I guess now I'm getting to the stage where I think, mm, I don't really care. So, you know, so, but even so you're this old to, to start finding yourself, you know? So. I think that, I think that's what it is. Well, it's never too late. And, you know, I, I personally think you were your own worst enemy because you had people around you tearing you down because girl, look at, first of all, look at you now, you're a effing smoke show. And then I see pictures of you when you're a young girl, I was like, holy shit, mug, get it, girl. You were gorgeous. And if you had this heart the entire time, this kindness and this empathy, I think everyone was just tearing you down because they were jealous. You know, I really do because I I don't, I, I probably, I can guarantee you've always had this type of heart and smarts about you. 
And, you know, it's just, it kills me that you, you didn't see that in yourself when you were younger. Yeah. It, like I said, I was my worst enemy. And it, it's really tough because you never know, you know, oh, so is Jane going to like me? Or, you know, is Lupa going to love me? You know, and so it, it's kind of tough to, you know, you don't, you don't necessarily know who you're supposed to be and how you're supposed to be. Yeah. So that's, that's the hard part. Yeah. Yeah. And it's probably a little bit too, just like uncovering what I've been uncovering of, of growing up Latina in those white spaces. Where, where were you supposed to belong? Yeah. Like I always say, you were never white enough, but then you were never brown enough. So it's just kind of like, you know. Yeah. So it, it was kind of tough. <laughs> well, mom, what did I miss or anything you want to ask me? No, I just think that you're just a wonderful person inside, inside and out. Uh, a great mom, a great wife, a great friend. And I'm really, really proud of you and your sister. Um, y'all have become everything that I had wished for y'all because I wanted it to be so good for y'all. And I'm really proud of y'all. Thanks, Mom. And I really love you. And I really love your sister, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, way to make me cry on my own show. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I am everything I am because of you and Dad, but especially you because, you know, you were our biggest role model and you've always been my biggest cheerleader. So thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Misma Project is executive produced and owned by me, Jennifer Yepes Blundell, and Savannah Jones is our editor. We'd love to connect with you. Hit us up on Instagram or TikTok at Misma Project, or send us an email at hola at mismaproject.com. And remember to please share, subscribe, and leave a review. Every time you do, you help our community grow and our voices heard. Okay, bueno pues. See you next time.